Good morning, everyone. It's 11.55. We're five minutes ahead of schedule. We're right on time. All the announcements done. Everybody's singing loud for all the world to hear, kind of like Buddy the Elf told us to do. It was a joyful time of singing this morning. Um, I was encouraging the kids up front here to sing, so I sang louder, and they sang louder. We are beginning a new sermon series uh, throughout the month of December uh, entitled Renew. We've spent this entire year with several different sermon series uh, talking through different uh, issues and items and things concerning us and giving us uh, insights into what scripture teaches for us to go by. But the Renew sermon series is a series that's looking forward through uh, December leading us into the new year because the new year always brings about a season and a time in people's lives where they think about uh, commitments and uh, their life and we change a lot of different things including our eating habits and uh, uh, some putting off some things that we wish to put off and putting on some new things that we wish to put on as far as habits and that's always a good thing when we go into the new year but we'll be planning ahead a little bit here and throughout the de December month uh, with this sermon series entitled Renew. The purpose of this message is training your kids to put God first in everything. So as adults, as uh, uh, the end of, well, some people in the room might not be adults totally because your mentality, but uh, that's okay. Uh, but as adults or the ones upstairs today that's not in children's church, I want us to take the month of December and Jesus said unless we become like children we'll know by us enter the kingdom of heaven and we need to all become more childish so once you look at your neighbor and say you need to be a little more childish <laughs> well apparently everybody in here is pretty childish already I don't know it'll be okay right we'll we'll get through it um, but we do need to train our kids uh, to put God first in everything, and, and part of this sermon series, the thought around it for me is how I uh, come to this place of uh, thinking about this sermon series is the condition of the church and how that the church uh, has this thought process, uh, and I'm talking about the church globally and even nationally here in, in uh, nationally here in uh, America, and I've heard it said, and I've, I've looked and seen uh, sermons and messages and different people that uh, come to the perspective to think that the church is in competition with the world. And there's Christians and there's people out there that say that uh, people that take their kids to some sporting event or some other event that's uh, maybe not, it's on a Sunday and and they attend that event versus coming to church. Some Christians inside the church that look down our holy noses and, and judge others and compare ourselves to others, which the Bible tells us not to do. And we'll judge those individuals and tell them, well, you should put the church first. So in saying that, I want to be uh, very clear in saying as Bethesda and as the pastor of this church, that I believe that God is not only the God inside of this building, but he is God in the streets where we live our lives. 
And I believe if your kids are on a cheer team or on a basketball team or on a, a, a what's the team where they go and the smart kids go, I don't know the name of it because I never was in that. Huh? Academic team, yeah, I wasn't in that. So I don't know if you could tell. You're probably thinking, wow, I thought Pastor was the all-star uh, spelling bee champion. I was the first one to sit down always. Uh, I was the master at not being able to spell very well. Leslie still makes fun of me. But academic team, and there's different things going on in our society that uh, is not competition with the church. It's just the culture that we live in. And in saying that, if your kid is on an academic team or a basketball team or a cheerleading squad or whatever, and they schedule that event to be at a time that conflicts with church, I'm going to tell you it's okay to go to that event. You're not going to hear that from very many pastors. And the reason I'm saying that is, is our world that we live in here at Bethesda is we try to tell everybody, our adults and our kids, and we have mission Sundays and everything else, we tell our individuals and members here to go and be missionaries in the community where they live. Is that not what we live by? Are we not missions-minded? We have a missions convention every year. we got a missions director. And all these things that we talk about being missions, and then when we get an opportunity or our kids get an opportunity to be a missionary to their classmates, we tell them they ought to be in church versus out there with them. How selfish, right? So this Renew series is based around that, the word that we are going to look at this and say we want to train our kids to be different than how we was raised. Because when I was raised up in church, I always thought that the only place that you could receive salvation or come to know Jesus was to walk down an altar at a church during the altar call and kneel on your knees and cry tears and plead with God and have somebody lay their hand on your back and pray with you. I was under that perception that that's the way you get saved. But in reality, I know that the same God that is here at these altars is the same God that can meet you right there riding on your lawnmower when you're mowing your grass and begin to speak to your heart and say, you need to come to know me and I'm drawing you and wooing you unto me. And whenever you're in that condition and in that state, you can be saved right there in that moment. Amen? Or you may be on a construction job site and during one of the breaks and one of the brake trailers, somebody there and you're there and you get under conviction in a brake trailer, in a break room, and somebody can speak to you and there might be a Christian there that tries to talk to you about their Christian faith and conviction comes on you, you can be saved right there in a construction site job room. Amen? Because I believe the God we serve is God everywhere and not just confined to our little box in a room that we try to devise that this is a picture of God. So I'm going to encourage you to encourage your children to go be the representative of God or be an ambassador of God to the culture that they live in, to the, to the classroom that they go to, to, to the club that they're a part of, that they're, uh, the team that they're on. Go and be a missionary from our church to that team because there's individuals on that team, little bitty kids that live in our surrounding community that has never attended one church service in their life. And if we don't send our kids to be a representative for God to that community, then woe be it unto us. Does not Scripture and did not Jesus say, go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom? 
to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come. Did not he tell us, didn't he tell us to go and do that? So today, as a church, parents, there's people in this room that your shift on your job, Tanya, her shifts don't allow her to attend every service that we have. Sometimes her job tells her she has to work on Sunday. So should we tell her you've got to pick between God being just the church that we think of mentality versus your job? Does hospitals have to be open on the weekend? I would say I'd be willing to bet if you was the one laying in the hospital bed that you would be glad that a nurse showed up that day. Amen? So and when we're thinking about this, let's look at it from that perspective that whenever Brandon gets called out on the road and he goes out on a 712 job and he, he's working on the pipeline and whenever he's out there he can't attend church services, does that make him less of a Christian because his job and his occupation calls him away? Absolutely not. So why do we allow adults the freedom to go, but whenever kids join a team, we act like they're in competition with the church rather than being a, a, a people to go from the church and send our kids as ambassadors. Why? Why are we that way? I can't answer that other than the fact that we don't think right. Amen? I was so proud last night that to see that you know, four of our Bethesda kids from the children's church that, that attended and went to the Frankfurt last night and the lighting of the tree, and I thought, wow. In one individual classroom that got invited to go from Lewis County, there's four kids in that room. And one of them's on the front row. She's here. I'll stand up and wave at him real big. Stand up, turn around, wave to him. You're not standing up. There you go. There she is. She's a reindeer today. Congratulations. What an honor for a kid to get a go represent her school in the rotunda and sing songs. And, and it's just awesome. But how awesome is it that one classroom in our education system in one of our schools has four kids from Bethesda? That's cool. This past week, I was texting one of our leaders, and, and I was telling him, and, and it, it came to my heart, and, and I, I was t talking about, he was asking how Bethesda was doing. He was just encouraging, you know, wanting to be an encouragement, and sent me a text, and I sent him back, and I said, it's encouraging to be in a church where they're multi-generational, that we have granddaughters standing with their mom in the same aisle, and her grandmother right back behind them, and I was thinking of Val, and, and Rhea, and little Ella. How awesome is it? To be in a church where we're multi-generational, that it's not just a, a, an adult church or not just a children's-minded church or not just a teenage-minded church, but we are a multi-generational church. That's a renewal, a picture of what heaven's going to be. I thank God that there's Hispanics that walk in here and they don't feel judged and they don't feel condemned and they don't feel out of place. And there's, there's people that's came. Greg invited his, his black friend last a few years ago and he came and he spoke and he had liberty with the microphone. And I thank God there's other black people that come to our church at Vanceburg from time to time when he's not driving the truck. And I thank God that we're diverse like that because that's what heaven's going to be like. Rachel and... Fabian coming and speaking to us about including people in our community because it makes us a picture of heaven. 
And renewing is like revival. And I believe when true revival takes place, it's multi-generational and it's multicultural. Amen? Because God wants to reach everybody. He's don't, he doesn't have a hand picks. He doesn't say because you're Caucasian, you get the first option. The Halberts over there in that sensitive region trying to reach people that don't even know what Christmas is. We sit here in our comfy seats and our little comfy world that we grow up in and know what Christmas is and all that. And, and here you got people around the world that, 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 what is Christmas? Can you imagine what it would be like to be an adult and saying, what is Christmas? How blessed we are as a people in America in the culture that we're living in to be where we're at. The word renew means this, to make like new, to restore to freshness, to vigor, to perfection as we renew our strength and sleep. Some people here are professionals at sleep studies. Right, Miss Tanya? She, so if, you, if you're not sleeping very good, you've got to go see Tanya and ask Tanya about what can I do to get better sleep. Anybody here need better sleep? You've got a professional at Bethesda in the sleep study thing. And I, I was thinking about that. If you look back 40 years or 50 years ago, I, don't know, I never heard of a sleep study. I, I never heard it. So it's a new thing that they're kind of doing because there's REM sleep and all this different stuff. And, and they try to make it where that you need some rest in your life to restore or refresh yourself, right? Amen. If you go for multiple days without any kind of REM sleep or deep sleep, you're going to begin to have black places under your eyes. You're going to begin to not think clearly. You're going to begin to have a different opinion about some things because sleep affects you. And in life, if our natural body needs sleep or rest to be renewed, how much more does our spirit man need a time of rest or relaxation or in spiritual rest where that we can be renewed in our spirit man? I believe it's true. So renew is giving us that new vigor to be able to go on and do things that we wouldn't be able to do if we didn't have the rest. Amen. And if kids are missing a Sunday to go be with their cheerleading squad because it's a time of rest and they're away from the church, I'm going to send them as missionaries and not condemn them or say you're not a part of our church because you chose a cheerleading squad over a church service. Come on, somebody. Is there any truth in what I'm saying? That it's okay to be a representative of God of where you're at? That's what God wants us to do. Renew yourself. Replenish yourself. Re be refreshing. I would like to have some strength, wouldn't you? To make new spiritually. The word for that is regenerate in Scripture. And there's a whole doctrine on regeneration. And there's people that argue, when does regeneration happen? There's some churches that say that regeneration happens when you're in the water. And when you come up out of the water, that then you're regenerated. That you cannot be saved unless you're baptized. But here, I believe if you're sitting on your lawnmower and God convicts you and he begins to call you and you pray a prayer and say, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask for forgiveness of my sins and change my heart and change my life. I believe in that moment that regeneration happens. Amen. Amen. It's the point in your life that you turn from the wickedness that you're a part of and turn towards God. Am I putting off water baptism? Absolutely not. I believe it's essential to discipleship. I believe you cannot walk through discipleship without being water baptized. I encourage it. I, Jesus told us to do it. We can't put it off and say it's not necessary. Amen. 
I'm just saying it's not the reason you're saved. If water alone can cleanse me from my sins, I just don't believe it. Amen? I don't know what kind of sins you committed, but I know what kind of sins I committed. And if I thought water could wash them away, Amen. woe be it unto me because I got too much of a holy opinion of myself. Come on, somebody. The sins I committed, water can't wash it away. I can't get in a shower and get clean. Amen? There's something on the inside that says I'm dirty, I'm filthy. But whenever God's word come over my life and I prayed the sinner's prayer and I said, God, save a sinner like me. Whenever I done that, the washing of the water of his word come over my life and it cleansed me on the inside. And I stood up and I knew, man, I'm a new man. There's old things that have passed away. New, all things become new. I felt that regeneration on the inside of me. Has anybody ever felt that? Do you know what I'm talking about? That the newness of life, because I chose Jesus, and he chose me, that's part of renewal. It's part of renewing. It's important to us. Part three in Merriam-Webster's dictionary about renewing means to restore to existence, to revive or to make extensive changes in. Maybe everybody else in here is perfect, but I still have some things, even as a pastor of a church, that I need God to work on in my life. Amen? Amen. That I need to turn my will over to His will. That I need to quit controlling and doing the things that I do. I need to allow God the ample opportunity to do the things He wants to do and not what I want to do. Yeah. Is that not what Jesus taught us on the cross? Did not the very Son of God hang on a cross and be there and, and say, Father, not my will, but yours be done? And even in that state when he was hanging on the cross, he looked down and other people that nailed him there. And Jesus said, don't put this sin on them. Don't hold them accountable for this. He was pleading their case even on the cross in his death. How often should we look at our enemies and say, Father, forgive them? They don't even know what they're doing. He taught us that. He exemplified that. Number six means to replace or replenish, to renew water in a tank and a, a cistern. I don't know about you, but I grew up, uh, my grandpa's farm out there on Kinnikinick where we go and do the water baptisms. They used to not have city water there. And it was prior to the time city water wasn't even run up Kinnikinick. And, and my grandpa had this big tank in the ground. It was called a cistern. It was a big concrete tank. And it had a little well box looking thing over top of it and it had a roof and it, it had a rope and a pulley and a bucket and you would go out there and, and whenever that tank would get empty, it wasn't where gutters run into it or anything like that. He would order water on a, on a big truck, would come out there with a big tank and they would fill up the cistern with new water. Sister Dolly still does it. She's got a tank in the back of her truck and she goes and gets it and she's got a cistern in her yard that she pours water in. But back then, there wasn't even a pump. You had to go out there with a bucket, let it down in there, and you put another water in, in that other bucket. But during the summertime, wherever you would get hot, you would go out there, and all of us grandkids would be there hooliganing around, and we'd walk out there, and we'd put, Jason's here, he's done it, and you'd let that rope down, and wherever you pull that water up, and, and you get it up there in that bucket, and there was a dipper hanging there. And everybody would take that dipper, and they would dip that water, and they'd get a big cool drink out of that ground. Man, it was awesome. Then you'd hand that same dipper to your neighbor or your first cousin, and you'd hand it to them, and they'd get their dipper, and they put it in, and everybody drunk out of the same dipper. It was a different day, wasn't it? Anybody want to go out and eat today and 
share cups. There's one church down in Louisiana. They're called the One Cuppers. So during communion, they got one individual big cup, and they pour the juice in there, and they pass that one cup around the church, and everybody there takes communion out of the same cup. Because they, they take the Bible so literal that said whenever Jesus broke bread and passed the cup, they think that that's the only way to do communion today. I won't say they're wrong. I'm just going to say that you can't mandate that. Amen? Maybe we need to do that next week. I'll come in one cup and pass it around and everybody slobber on the rim of it and eat, eat your cracker and leave crumbles on there and Getting crushed here by the man. Rhea's back there like, no, I'm a, I've come from the healthcare industry and they taught us to wash our hands too much. I'm not going to do that. That's okay. It's one thing I love about Bethesda is the simplicity of how we operate, of how we conduct ourselves as a church that you can come as you are. You can wear whatever you wish. And just love God and love people. I love it so simple that anybody could do it. Amen. And there's not very many churches that pictures that or exemplifies that to the world. And what if we can send our little kids out and they can go into their club, they can go into their academic club, or they can go on their baseball team and they can say, man, I can love God and love people and play baseball at the same time. Think about it. It's a changing our mindset. And it's scary. And I know there's some Sundays whenever we come to Bethesda and we look around and say, well, where's everybody at? I'm guilty. Anybody else guilty? Where, where's everybody at today? I don't know. Maybe they're loving God and loving people wherever they're at. It's okay. Amen? But when they do come back and when they do come in, just hug them and tell them you love them. And you can say, I missed you. And when you're saying, I miss you, doesn't mean, oh, I'm guilt tripping you and you should have been here and I can't believe you missed. Amen. Amen. Just love God and love people. It's as simple as that. Amen. So as a church in renewal, I think we got to exemplify that because there's some little kids watching how we act and they're going to act the way we act. Amen? If we're going to be the example for them to follow, the way Jesus tells us to train up our kids in the ways of God and teaching them and admonishing them in the ways of God, we have to, as adults, be better. And renewal is making fresh, new, clean. So our text today, I want, I want to read this text real quick. It's, I'm 18 minutes in. I got through the, uh, what do they call it, uh, intro. So I got an intro in in 18 minutes. That's pretty good, ain't it? My first sermon, I had full page of notes, front and back, scribbles everywhere, and thought I was going to preach for an hour, and stood up, and five minutes later, I sat down and had said everything I needed to say. Now, I have too many words. I apologize. But the word of God is true, no matter what. And it refreshes and it renews us. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. This is New King James. I, my old Bible here is the New King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. So I want to put this into context for us today. 
So if you think about and go back and, and study a little bit of history, you'll see that Paul is writing to a Roman church. Has anybody ever watched any documentaries or anything on the Roman Empire and some of the things that Rome did? It was a, it was a crazy culture that they was living in. And Paul writing back to the Romans telling him, here, we're going to talk about a religion because there was multiple religions. There was people and there was, there was moms that would have babies with the purpose of sacrificing that baby on an altar to a foreign god. That didn't, it's, it's just craziness. Can you imagine sacrificing a baby on an altar because you think that's what God wants? Look at them little babies here now. What craziness to think that there's people out there that would want a mama to sacrifice a baby on an altar. It's just crazy. And here Paul is writing to a Roman church and saying to that church, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. How many knows God is merciful? Amen. The God I serve is merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. So he's merciful. And Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. This was a group of people that he's writing to that comes from that culture that says it's okay to murder your baby on an altar because God would be pleased by that. He's saying, I'm asking you to present your body, yes, but not a dead body. I'm asking you to present a living body. That is different than a dead body. Once the baby died, it could do no other exploits. Amen? Once the baby was dead on that altar, it couldn't perform any other task or lead anybody else to God. But Paul's saying, this religion that I'm talking to you about is different. It's not a dead religion. It's not a religion that, that looks at death and, and, and just worships death. He says, I'm talking about a religion of living. Jesus said, I didn't come. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. It's John 10, 10. How many feels alive because of our Christianity, because of our faith, because of our belief? I thank God that Paul wrote this and said that, that there's a living sacrifice that you can live out, and it's reasonable. Whenever you offer your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I want you to make something new out of this old broken piece of clay that I am. And he begins to mold you and make you and create you. That the living sacrifice is there. But God has got his hand on your life. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed. So it's like this. Lathan has worked construction and worked as a union carpenter and he goes out on a job site and wherever you're going to go out on a concrete pour, do you just go out and just get the concrete truck there and just dump it out and let it go wherever it wants and, and just try to smooth it out the best you can? Or do you go out there and spend a lot of time prepping, laying forms, driving stakes, Putting reinforcement and rebar, 
and all the work that goes into prepping that because you want that concrete to take a shape at the end of the day, right? This verse says, don't be conformed to this world. So what I'm telling you out of this renewed series for us today here is them little kids that's down there in the basement, that little baby that's right there, and them little babies that was back there, and these teenagers that's right here, the world will try to conform you. Amen? And what you solidify into is the boundaries that exist. And the world's boundaries will take you farther than you want to go. Amen? The devil wants you to look like him, which is a mess. And Jesus wants you to look like him, which is a message. So today in this place, I'm telling you, as adults, your little ones are watching. And as a church, as Bethesda, and as teachers and leaders, that we are the church of Jesus Christ. And he called us to this world. And he called us to these little kids that's running around these aisles. And he caused us to be an example to them and say, here is the boundary. You know why? Because this Bible has boundaries. It tells us what's right from wrong. Don't you want your kid to know right from wrong? If you never tell them the boundary, they don't know right from wrong. Amen? There has to be boundaries. If you're going to not be conformed to the world, you're going to be conformed to the church. And Jesus wants us formed in his image. When God created man, he got him down to the dust of ground and he formed him in his image. He didn't form him to the world. He formed him in his image. That's who we are. We're to be like God. He created us in his image. He breathed his breath into our bodies that we become alive. Today is a day that we're not conformed to this world. And as a church, I don't want to stretch boundaries and go into the world and be so much like the world. Paul said that I've become all things to all people that I may somewise win some. And I'm telling you that I'm I'm a different type of pastor than most pastors because I believe that we need to go into this and not think about sports as sports versus the church. For Dawson, that's a little bit out of boundaries for some people. But it doesn't mean that I'm conforming to this world. It means that I want our church to be the church that loves people, whether they sit in a pew with us or they drive down the road beside of us or they sit in the cubicle next to us or maybe it's the old grouchy lady that that don't treat you right at work, whoever it is, that we love them just like we should love them because Jesus teaches us to. Don't be conformed to this world because the world tells you to hate those that hate you. And only love those that love you. Jesus is not like that. And these kids are too important and their futures are too important for them to learn examples from us to where that they see us hating people that hate us. Amen? Amen. The world needs a picture of heaven. And heaven is an inclusive place that says you are willing and able to come here if you'll choose Jesus as your Savior. That's the only boundary. But today, I'm telling parents, set your boundaries. Don't let your kids be conformed by the world. Because if you tell them if they miss church and go to a sporting event, what you're saying is God's not there. Somebody say amen. 
If we're telling kids you can't go to a sporting event and you can't go be yourself and you can't go be a missionary in your local community, what you're saying is God is dead and the world is winning. But I'm telling you that to go and be a light into a dark and desperate place that needs an example of Christianity in the world we're living in today. Can anybody say amen? I believe this to be true. In renewal, I believe this renewing is taking place from the inside out, and it makes us think differently when we walk down the street. It says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewal. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. The perfect will of God in your life. How many would like that? The perfect will of God in your life. You've got to renew your mind for that to happen. Because our thinking is thinking, thinking. Amen. If I go around telling everybody my opinion all the time about everything that's going on in this world, then my opinion is nothing but stinking thinking. Amen. I'll pollute the world with my thoughts, my ideals, and my this, and my that. When God is saying, my word establishes the foundation of the world. And if you will preach anything, preach my word. Don't preach your ideals. Don't preach your thoughts. Amen? Because I've got a lot of ideals. I've got a lot of philosophies. I've got a lot of ways of thinking about things. God doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to be an example, a light to take up for the widow. Amen? To take up for the orphan. The church would be the place that would recognize and say that God is a God in the street just as much as he is God in the church. Amen. That God is just as much the God on the border as he is a God in the church. Amen. Amen. That God is a God in the White House just as much as he is here. Amen. Don't confine him. Release him to be who he is to the world to change the world. We can't do it. He has to. Amen. So... Prove the acceptable will and perfect will of God. For I say to you, through the grace of God given me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Wow. Everybody say, I think it's me. <laughs> Amen. I, I, think, I think Paul was talking to me. He might have wrote Romans at the top of the page, but I believe he's talking to me. Don't think yourself more highly than you ought to think because sometimes whenever you do, you get into, into, into trouble. But think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. There's people that come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach me faith. Give me faith. And here Paul is telling the Roman church, hey, everybody has got a gift and a measure of faith. And there's some people that's got more faith than others, Yes. Is there some people that will believe when I doubt? Absolutely. Can anybody say amen? amen? There's some people that's got this supernatural faith that they believe that miracles are possible. Sometimes whenever I walk down and I'm praying and I'm seeking God and asking God, sometimes there's doubt enters this carnal mind. Can anybody say amen? That I want to pray for somebody to be healed of cancer or of terminal illness or this or that. And I'm praying and I'm thinking, but in my mind sometimes carnality takes over and I doubt. But I've still got a measure of faith. And guess what? If you've got faith the size of a grain of mustard seed and you speak to this mountain, that mountain has to be removed, doesn't it? Is that not what Scripture teaches us? Why do we worry about all the doubt in our life whenever God has given us enough faith to believe that the impossible is possible, renewing for the next generation? Amen. 
Does not that little baby deserve to grow up in a church that believes God? Amen. That trusts God if you go to a sporting event that it'll be okay? Amen. I'm sorry, I don't like hollering. I just believe it. For we have many members but one body, but all the members do not have the same functions. Verse 5, so we having many are one body of Christ and individually members of one another. Paul's telling the church, man, there's a lot of different folks. And there's different strokes for different folks. Wasn't that one of the shows or something? (laughs) Different strokes for different folks. What what show was that from? Different strokes? What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at that time of that season, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't normal, but it was different. So I want to read this little story here, and pay attention, this little story, we're about done. Compared with salamanders and starfish, mammals have a dismally limited ability to replace lost parts. You know what I'm talking about, the little lizards running around your porch, you got a little blue tail, and you look at them and you're like, ah, our dog Jake, he hates them. He barks through the window. And when Leslie takes him out to, in the yard to do his business, he, he can't stay away from the porch because all he can think in his mind, man, them little salamanders, little lizards are everywhere in their blue tails. And sometimes if he gets real close to one of them, what happens when, a, when one of those little lizards and something gets close to them, they scare them, what happens? Their tail falls off. And you've got a little blue wiggling tail there like this. It's kind of crazy, right? But automatically our humanity takes over and thinks, oh, no, the poor little lizard's going to die. That's what little kids think, right? Oh, the poor little lizard's going to die. His tail fell off. And a week later, the same lizard walks through there and got another tail. How does that happen? I listened to NPR about a year ago, and they was talking about that doctors are studying that, trying to find out what enzyme and what makes that happen in nature to figure out why human body parts don't grow back like that. So, but now reports of children growing back fingertips and spleens are changing that. In 1974, Cynthia Illingsworth, an English physician specialized in emergency medicine, discovered that when children accidentally sever the fingertip down to the first joint, the best treatment is no treatment. Children underneath the age of 12, if they cut off a pinky down to the first joint, untreated, clean it, cover it with a bandage, the fingertip, including the nail, grows back in 11 or 12 weeks. And usually the tip, the nail will come back. Isn't that weird? It's strange, isn't it? Why, why do adults not mend their self the way kids do? You know why? Because they're in the molding stage. And somehow in the, in the wisdom of God, he allows little babies to endure things and replenish their self and renew their self differently after we become adults and in Judaism it teaches us in Judaism they they have bar mitzvahs and at the age of 12 kids become accountable for their own actions and in Judaism they teach that kids you know like this little baby right here she's not accountable for her actions why she touched a hot stove yeah does she get burnt yeah but her skin will replenish itself and these kids have a resiliency to come through 
obstacles and things in life. And God just allows it to renew and grow back. But this study that this doctor did in, in England back in 1976 said that after 12, and it only goes to the first joint for humans, that adults, when they cut their finger off after the age of 12, it doesn't happen anymore. Something changes when a kid turns 12. Is there any grandparents and parents in the room that knows that to be true? You can watch a kid and you can mold them, you can create boundaries, you can teach them right from wrong, you can do all this stuff, but whenever they get 12 year old, what happened to them? They know everything. Yes. Yes. Amen? Yes, That's the point when that man, they know everything now. Don't sit there and smile at me. <laughs> Dusty and I'll be put up with you every week. But they can't renew their self or replenish their self now like they could before because they're becoming accountable for their actions. And whatever boundaries you've already taught them to take on and set for themselves is what they're going to live life by. So what does that tell us about the importance of what goes on in the basement of this building? We've got to teach them. We've got to mold them while they're young. And our teachers are gifted because God wants them to do that. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. Leslie's giving me that look. This is a verse. We're about done. For as, a, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shall thou vomit up, and shall lose the sweet words. Verse 9, speak not to the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Verse 10, remove the, not the old landmark, and enter not in the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is mighty, and he shall plead their cause with thee. What that's talking about is the poor. Don't ever... Look down on the plight of the poor because God is always with the poor. Israel as a nation should not exist. But the God they serve has allowed them to remain a nation through Holocaust. They would go into battles with Gideon with 3,000 and fight hundreds of thousands of people and win battles because God is always with the poor. There would not be an America today if the revolutionists weren't the underdogs in the battle. Never think more highly of yourself than you ought. Verse 12, apply thine heart to instruction and thy ears to knowledge. Verse 13, withhold not correction from the child, for, thou be for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. That'd be a good place for the parents to say, Amen. Everybody's like, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know about that stuff. And when it's saying beat, it does not mean leave marks and it's not talking about that. And I'm telling you right now, I, I have been paddled a million times in my life because I deserved every one of them. My first day of school ever, first day, first grade, didn't go to kindergarten. I walk in and get popped. Man, Richard Church was the kid's name. Wouldn't you know that? I'm hanging out with a guy named Church and getting in trouble. And we poured our pop down a hill and got muddy and come back from break. And Miss Sue Brown was sitting there and said, what are you doing? And she was so nice, she wouldn't even paddle nobody because that's the way she was. Anybody like that don't like paddling? Miss Brown didn't want to paddle nobody. She wouldn't. 
and, and Miss Brown called Mr. Smith, and he come down there, and he paddled me my first day of school. And I can tell you right now, because some parents, they don't like whipping, they don't like spanking and all this stuff, and that's okay, and give them time out, I'm all about it. But guess what? That paddling is not going to cause their tail to fall off. And if it does, they're underneath the age of 12, so they can already, it'll grow back. It'll be all right. Amen? It's going to be okay. It'll grow back. We've got proof, scientific proof. It's documented, historically proven. It's different knowing dumb and dumber when their pet's head were falling off. It didn't grow back. It's over 12. I don't know. Withhold not correction for the child because you're setting boundaries. You're laying forms for the concrete to be poured into, to be molded in who it should be. He won't die. I promise you, your kids won't die if you spank them a little bit. Won't, won't hurt them at all. If anything, it'll help them. That's what happened to Leslie. Ernie, you, you spared the rods. Spare the rods, pull the child, right? So that's what happened. We figured it out. Finally, the truth is coming. No. Verse 14, thou shalt beat him with the rod. Again, this is the next verse. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. So parents, you've got, you've got instruction from your pastor and from the Bible. Go whip your kids. That's the way to keep them out of hell. Amen, for no other reason. You can you tell your kid, you're going to say, What's, what are you doing? You're going to say, I'm beating the hell out of you. Amen? Why? Because I don't want any hell in them. Amen, somebody. It's what Scripture says. Is that not what that says? You can look at it whatever way you want. That's what it says. Just go, go and, and beat the hell out of your kids. You won't hear that in every church either. That's okay. Verse 15, my son, if thy heart be wise, make thy heart rejoice, shall mine even also. I want you all to stand. Who thought you was coming to a church service this morning to hear a message like that? About renewal, about strengthening, about encouraging, about allowing kids to be kids. Psalms 51 verse 10. This is coming from King David, who was the man after God's own heart, according to the Bible. And King David had, even though he loved God and he loved people, he was still human. And there was a point where that one day he was up on the roof and there was a war going on and he looked over and his neighbor's wife was taking a bath on the roof and I don't understand that. And he looked over there and he coveted his neighbor's wife and he called her over to his house and things went entirely wrong. He ended up, the woman got pregnant and King David got worried and he had this guy killed. Is there anybody in this room that's ever done something that you know was wrong and you knew when you was doing it was wrong and it brought about consequences that you just thought, man, you try to hide it, and when you try to hide it, it gets even worse. King David was at this point in his life, and Psalms 51.10 says this, and this is going to be our prayer every week through Renewal Series. I want all of December for this to be your verse that you pray on a daily basis because in praying this, it's bringing renewal. So I want everybody here, if you will, just bow your head and close your eyes. 
Psalms 51 verse 10 and we'll put it up and we'll we'll just blast you with it on Facebook and te I'll text it, I'll message it, I'll do everything I can to make it available to you. Everybody repeat this prayer after me, the prayer of King David. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. In Jesus' name. Amen.